call me in order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on our television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting link by going to www.qac.org slash public comment. And citizens may also email comments directly to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everybody's participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table outside in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, if you could all please stand for a minute for give some thought to wherever there's conflict in the world that cooler minds can prevail. Thank you. All right, commissioners, we just had a closed session under the general provisions article section 3305b7 to consult with council and under section 3-305b1 to discuss personnel and uh, no decisions were made in the closed session so that brings us to this evening's agenda february 22nd 2022 so our agenda for today's meeting along with the regular and closed session minutes from your February 8th meeting have been circulated for review. Do we have any additions or corrections? Motion to approve the agenda and minutes as submitted. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Five zero motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first public comment period. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing. This commission respects your desire to convey your message freely. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. And in keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. We have some speakers. Okay, great. All right. Lucille Kuntz. You come right up to the microphone. Right here. My name is Lucille Lovellan Kuntz, and I live at my 12 Hackney Corner Road, Southwestville, Maryland. Pull the mic down. Pull the mic down for her. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And um, I have come because I want to express my opinion of the supporting the county ordinance 
21 and on, but with um, added things to it. Um, I live at the very end of, of Glanding Road, so I would be very close to um, where they are going to, where they're planning or to have a shooting range and a commercial shooting range. And I would um, like to express my opinion that it is really not agricultural and it's right next to Unicorn Lake. And there's a lot of wonderful things there. A lot of people, they either, either were born to there or they came there because it's such a lovely area. And it has a lot of attributes for, the, for people to go to. Um, for example, of course, being farmers. That's, that's not really going to it. You're, you're living it, your life. Um, but the Unicorn Lake has, there's a fishery there. People can, lay, can swim, not swim, they can fish on the lake. Uh, they can go on, in a canoe on a lake. My property has the Unicorn Stream goes right into it. I take my children there, I might not, my grandchildren nowadays, um, to swim in the summer. It is beautiful woodland and I don't, uh, I don't, mean to express that I am not in favor of hunting, it's just that I don't want anyone having all that noise in seven day a week um, gun shooting that I would hear forever. And so I guess I'm gonna make that short and sweet, that's what I want to, to express. And um, um, thank you for allowing me to come here and say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Troy Alexander. Commissioners, Troy Alexander, 2513 Millington Road, Millington in Queen Anne's County. I'm here again. I'm still for what the original intent of 2109 stood for, keeping a commercial gun range away from existing residential subdivisions. I hold in my hand 40 signatures of my friends and neighbors who live in a very close proximity to Unicorn Lake. And who, all, and who all are for keeping and amending 2109, and we have more signatures than this. I'm asking you, the commissioners, to make the right decision and keep and amend 2109 so that it, so that it can be supported by both sides. We all know that accidents can do and have happened. Please be proactive on this issue and not reactive. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Edward Appenzeller. Yeah, my name's Edward Appenzeller of 408 High Bridge Road, and Troy basically said everything I wanted to say, but I'm in favor of 2109 with amendments where it just applies to commercial outdoor shooting ranges near existing residential areas. Uh, give a little protection for the clubs if they're out in the country, when in residential places infringe upon them, but it would also give protection to people that's already been there. And that, that's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Loretta Walls. Loretta Walls, uh, 102 Archer Lane, Millington, Maryland. Um, 
I'm uh, fully in support of the residents and farm families at Unicorn in the Millington area. The residents have been very tolerant of the businesses in the area, but when is enough enough? I would like to talk about protecting Unicorn Lake. An organization was formed to gain protection for the Unicorn Lake and the upper watershed from pollutants from a rubble dump in 1996. Twelve years later, the dump was banned by the state, which included a four-mile radius around Unicorn Lake. Why wouldn't we say that tons of toxic lead and ammunition near the edge of the Unicorn Lake could be classified as a toxic dumping ground? We know the impacts that will destroy our streams, groundwater, and the lake. The proposed site near the Unicorn uh, lake is a non-tidal wetland of special concern with two major springs that flow into the lake which is uh, rated with the highest water quality. The Maryland Department of Natural Resources manages a fish hatchery and distributes largemouth bass fingerlings to other fisheries throughout Maryland. The lake has a diversity of approximately 17 different species of fish. Unicorn Stream maintains a water temperature of 68 degrees Fahrenheit, cold enough to support brown trout year-round. Unicorn is a cold water lake, one of the only two places on the eastern shore where the brown trout can survive. Impervious surfaces discharge uh, will cause a thermal impact that will allow the water to heat up. Storm water runoff will release pollutants until unicorn, into Unicorn Lake. It is a home of many birds, animals, and the endangered bog turtle, as the area is a terrapin sanctuary. Storm water runoff and outstanding noise will threaten these habitats. No matter what they say on their safeguards, is it worth the gamble to allow a commercial shooting range so near to a state park called Unicorn Lake? Please amend 2109. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jay Falstead. Good evening, Commissioners. Jay Falstead, Queen Anne's Conservation Association. Uh, I want to stand with my neighbors in support of 2109 for the simple reason being, I, I know I've had conversations with some of you but the reality is it should just be Queen, it should be policy in Queen Anne's County that we do not allow commercial gun ranges near residential subdivisions. It's a safety issue, it's a, a quality of life issue, and it should just be a policy. Um, unfortunately, the way our policy is established now, you're gonna force all of these people to now have to go to the Board of Appeals, they have to hire attorneys, they have to hire consultants just to make their case. And it just seems to me that in this circumstance, it's the commissioner's responsibility to establish a guideline on where these things can go. I know this thing was, this issue was kicked over to the planning commission for their, their review and they failed. They failed in not asking very many questions. They should have. And so now unfortunately the responsibility falls to the commissioners and I hope in this case you'll pause a little bit instead of voting on this matter now. Ask the planning department staff to do an additional review in looking at what other jurisdictions do. 
on if there are setbacks near incorporated municipalities or near residential neighborhoods, that is not an unreasonable request. Given where a proposed rifle range is gonna go, you're literally talking about nearby neighbors that are very close by, and it is a safety issue. And ultimately, safety issues fall on the backs of the county commissioners in, this, in these types of circumstances. So with that, I hope you'll pause on this. I hope you won't take any action tonight. Um, and I hope you'll give additional consideration. Ordinance 2109, I confess, is flawed. It, it's bad the way it is. But you all have the ability to fix that with an amendment. And I hope you will. That's what you should do. And uh, thanks for the time. Thank you. Is there anybody online? Uh, no one online, but we do have a couple emails. Okay. Sure, go ahead. Okay, the first is from Marsha Bramble. She lives in Legion Road in Millington. Um, good evening, commissioners. My name is Marshall Bramble. I live on Legion Road in Millington. I am the owner slash operator of Little Angels Child Care, a family child care facility in my home. I support Ordinance 2109 with amendment being that commercial shooting ranges should not be near residential neighborhoods. With the current gun club, there was some disruption to my day-to-day -day activities on the weekends only. However, with the proposed ordinance, the new commercial shooting range will disrupt my day-to-day -day activities every day of the week. It will impact my child care facility with the noise level and the fear of stray bullets. My child care facility will be forced to close as well as others in the area because of decreased enrollment. What family would want to bring their children to me in what sounds like a war zone? As a homeowner, the property values would decrease and our quality of life would diminish. We would no longer enjoy our own backyards on the warmer days. I personally like sitting on my deck or in my gazebo listening to the birds sing. With the ordinance the way it is written now, there would not be any leisurely time spent outdoors. We need to protect our neighborhoods. We are required to protect our children. High-powered rifles and pistols have no place in the neighborhoods where children play. Tonight, you have the power to amend this ordinance so the shooting ranges in high-powered and tactical and pistol fire are not near populated areas. I ask you to amend the ordinance 2109 to keep shooting ranges away from our neighborhoods, our children, and our families. Thank you for your time. And the second is from Lessa Gustafson, 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 sorry about that, in Crumpton. <laughs> Commissioners, in regards to the amendment of Ordinance 2109, my husband and I are very disturbed by it. It is vaguely written, as written, open to interpretation. In the future, could this amendment be used to infringe on our traditional hunting rights? We are lifelong residents of the Upper Eastern Shore. As such, we would like to know if a place like Schrader Outdoors is proposing will exist in Queen Anne's County for future education of children and youth. In particular, we are concerned for our grandchildren's shooting sports education. Statistics show that children who are taught shooting and hunting skills properly understand gun safety and in the process learn respect for themselves and others. It is our understanding that a county commissioner owns a house near proposed location of the Schrader Outdoors facility. This property had approval for the DC Shooting Club, but now a local Eastern Shoreman may be blocked from operating a similar establishment. We request the reason for this amendment. Does this mean in the future ordinances can be changed at the whim of our lawmakers? For example, banning homeowners from having a barking dog near others' property. 
In conclusion, we believe existing ordinances and laws are adequate for the present and future. Please consider leaving well enough alone. And the final email we have isn't on this topic. It's on a separate topic. Would you like to hear that as well? Mm-hmm. Or later? Go ahead. Okay. And this email is from Andrew Beringer. Dear Queen Anne's County Commissioners, my name is Andrew Beringer. I live in District 4 of Queen Anne's County. I am a federal lobbyist that focuses on policy surrounding the cannabis industry. This November, there will be a ballot refer- referendum in Maryland that will ask Marylanders if they want to pass adult use cannabis legislation. With the cannabis industry creating over 350,000 legal employment opportunities to date nationwide, as well as the fastest growing economic sector in the United States, what is the stance of the commissioners in this county and would they allow legal cannabis to operate within Queen Anne's County? Thank you for your time. And that's all we have, virtual. All right, is there anybody else in the room who wanted to speak for press of public comment but didn't sign up? Okay, yep, that's something different. All right, we'll close press and public comment. Okay, commissioners, uh, next up we have presentations. You want to proceed with the presentations? Yes, please. Okay, all right. First up, we have the Parks and Recreation Update. We have Director Steve Chanley. He is here. We have a, uh, his presentation is on the screen. It's also in your books under tab six, item I. So, Steve? Okay. Take it away. All right, thank you. Okay, we'll get started. This will be an update from basically from about uh, December through, well, through last week. Um, so the first slide up here is uh, a new look that we're probably going to be putting on our website. We're in the process of updating um, our entire website, descriptions of parks, um, just give, giving everything a brand new look. Um, one of the things that has been going on is our program open space. Um, you can see we've got four projects up there. I'm hoping by the end of April we can probably close out two of those. Um, a couple have been up there for, for a while and there'll be more information on those uh, later down. Um, the local parks and playground infrastructure planning, you remember um, a couple months ago, uh, you guys approved us getting lights at White Marsh Park. Um, that's with this, this project here. That should be completed this week. Um, Terrapin Nature Park Ranger Station and Restroom. Um, again, this is a POS project in combination with uh, a capital uh, project through the county. Um, the two bottom pictures is what the site actually looked like uh, prior to us starting construction. This is what it looks like after uh, we've installed the three, um, the three buildings. The center one is the Ranger Station and the two on the left and the, or the one on the left and the right are the uh, men and women's um, uh, stall. They were actually supposed to be done earlier in the year, um, about December, but again, with everything being delayed and um, um, uh, being sent out, uh, we just recently got them finished. We still have finishing touches to do on that, and we're looking to do a, a, probably a ribbon cutting probably in the uh, late spring. Hey, Steve, can I, can I interrupt you real quick? Um, I went and took a look at it uh, the other day. Um, <clears throat> what is, it looks like cinder block, but is it is it cinder block or is it seem or a different material? They're one, they came in on uh, semi truck as one solid forms already already one solid it. wall each one so you had okay. four walls to to be delivered picked up off of a crane placed in site with all the utilities up, up underneath of it. Um, they actually came all the way from I think Nevada if I'm not mistaken. So it was quite a journey. Um, 
Speaking of restrooms, we've got another one that's coming from uh, uh, Danian. Um This will be the uh, trailhead at um, Macon Creek, which again is along the Cross Island Trail. And again, that too uh, would be a good opportunity to, to show off and show off the trail and get a, a nice ribbon cutting activity. I'm sorry. Um, Mattapee Clubhouse, um, we've noticed that that building is, it's time for it to be painted uh, again. Um, it's starting to, uh, to chip and peel away. So we'll be, um, uh, we just sent out a bid last week. We're hoping to get uh, those bids back shortly and be able to perform the work in April or May. Um, it was also done with, uh, in cooperation with the Maryland Heritage Area Authority uh, as a grant. Hit this slide, we'll back to that. Bloomfield um, also with uh, MHA, uh, we put in for a grant to conduct a study at the Bloomfield Manor House. Uh, that application was made by um, Barton Ross and Associates on behalf of um, Queen Anne's County Parks and Recreation. Uh, the next one is uh, Blue Heron Nature Park. Uh, we'll be installing some signage and trail mark markers um, that'll be going in this summer. Again, we've got mowing, seeding, and spraying to increase the habitat out there. And again, another opportunity to um, just let the citizens know that this project has been completed. Ferry Point Emergency Repair. Um, we need to do something. There was a storm out in, I want to say October or so, where it took away about 10 feet of the shoreline. We've met out with DNR. Um, about two weeks ago and we're getting estimates on what it will actually cost and um, see what we can do to correct that. The trail safety uh, lighting, we've got it completed and operating on both Kent Narrows Way North and Old Love Point Road. We're still waiting to get um, finalized, finalized lighting at the Love Point uh, Road location. We're also looking at safety lighting at a crosswalk for the Kent Narrows Drawbridge. Um, the proposed Route 8 East Side Trail, um, we're, we're still looking to um, get some easements and some acquisitions there to get the trail to go through there. And we've been in uh, contact with SHA just in case we have to um, reroute the trail through their properties. Um, we'll be putting out a request for bids for engineering to consider um, stormwater, the trail design and uh, permitting and everything that goes, goes with that. Uh, Kent Narrows Trail Spur, we also have a trail connection. Again, another grant uh, through the National Recreation and Trail Grant was awarded for us to go ahead and uh, connect that, and we're hoping to get that done um, hopefully by, um, by fall at the latest. Here's a picture of um, the, the lighting at uh, Old Love Point Road, um, and then the second picture is the proposed trail um, through, the, uh, through the Kent Narrows. Some other projects, those are all park planning resource projects um, that, have, that are ongoing. These are projects that, um, that we're doing as parks, as capital projects. Um, as I mentioned earlier, White Marsh Park athletic lights. Um, we've got um, irrigation well. We've got pickleball courts and new lights that are going to be going in. Old Love Point tennis court's going to be getting lights. Route 18 playground replacement. Graysonville Park court uh, renovation. Uh, we'll be installing a pole barn at Terrapin Maintenance Facility so we can get equipment that's underneath storage. 
uh, we've got to replace uh, overhead doors at all of our maintenance shops for <laughs> essentially for safety. Um, and then we've got some ball field fencing going on at Route 18, Old Love Point, and Bats Neck Park. And if all goes well with contractors and weather, most of these projects should be done by the first part of the summer at the latest. So we've got a lot going on. Um, as I mentioned earlier about the delays in um, uh, delivery, uh, the two John Deere Gator um, were, were ordered back in um, July, as you see. We just got those on Friday. So the other one, the pickups, the Transit Connects, and the other uh, two items, you can see the dates that they were ordered, and we're still waiting for those. So we've got a lot of uh, purchases that are really in progress, and it's just a matter of waiting for delivery. Recreation, we've got a lot going on. We've got uh, basketball. I'm not going to go through each one, but we've got basketball in several different age groups that's going on. Um, some leagues, age group leagues, are getting ready to end. Others are getting ready to start their first week of playoffs this week. Uh, we also have beginning basketball. We've got yoga at um, Mattapique Clubhouse, and we'll be offering beach volleyball um, this, uh, this spring at Old Love Point in Southersville Park. Um, Pickleball, right now we're doing it indoors at Bayside Elementary. You can see the, the dates has gone on for a number of weeks. Um, the youth softball, that's the uh, softball group that came to us from uh, Queen Anne's County. Um, we met with them and uh, we told them that we would go ahead and, and take them since those volunteers have decided that, you know, it's time to turn over the reins to us. Um, so we've got um, registration ongoing right now and we've got uh, boater safety that's getting ready to start um, this, this weekend. Indoor soccer, that is a program that continues to grow. Um, right now it's at two sites, but we're looking that we're going to have to increase it to um, a few other sites as well. Um, same thing, 14 to 17 year old basketball, it's um, again just, you know, taking off lots of uh, um, participation. Special events, you can see we've got uh, Easter Egg Hunt up at Sellersville Park in Mowbray Park on April 9th and 10th. Um, we've got the White Marsh Fishing Derby, and then we're looking to bring back um, the program we did in the summertime was pick Picnic in the Park where we contacted um, food truck vendors to come out and, you know, get lunch, spend the, you know, spend your hour, maybe an hour and a half or so <laughs> uh, for lunch in the, in the park and visit our uh, parks during the day, during the week. Um, we're trying to get uh, disc golf started. Uh, we're working on Corsica River Days. Um, we've got the fireworks that are coming up. Um, advertisements have already been sent out to food and craft vendors. We're getting responses back from them. We've secured up uh, the Del Fox Company as the band for, for entertainment for that day. And we also secured up um, uh, shuttle transportation to provide people from Jamal's parking lot up to uh, the visitor center. Uh, the leagues, this uh, pertains to, to fields and artificial turf. As you can see, we've got 18 different organizations submitted field requests. We've got about 2,400 participants. And again, that's based on the uh, organization's numbers that they give us of what they think they're going to get for participation. Um, obviously, it can, it can grow. Um, but you see the number of grass fields that are requested. We've got 38 uh, fields that are requested, 33 ball diamonds. Um, and based on that, we're looking at about almost $18,000 in revenue coming in. Uh, you can see here right now the leagues that are dominating. Uh, baseball's in blue at about 56%. Soccer's at 18% in the orange. Uh, tied up with lacrosse with 18%. And then 8% is flag football. 
Um, as I mentioned before, we've got uh, some tournaments coming up. We've got eight conf confirmed tournaments for the, um, uh, this spring and summer. Uh, four baseball, three softball, one lacrosse. One of them is actually a tournament that we are running ourselves, which is one of the baseball tournaments. You can still see the uh, popularity of the artificial turf. Ken Island High School is booked up five to six days a week, March through May. Um, so it's getting plenty of, of wear, and that's what it's designed to do is to meet that need. Uh, Queen Anne's County High School is booked on an average of three times per week, uh, and um, at this time of year, lacrosse makes up about 80% of our rentals for this spring. Um, and other rentals um, that, that take place are for soccer, believe it or not, baseball evaluations, and we also have a track meet that's uh, going on there. The uh, bulkhead project is scheduled, and that's just the bulkhead, um, to be completed by mid-April. Um, for public landings, you can see we've put in a lot of different grants for um, uh, FY22, it was $1.75 million, um, Mattapeak Boat Ramp, Centerville parking lot, deep uh, landing bulkhead and Kent Narrows approach um, dredging. Uh, for FY23, we submitted our, our budget needs, and again, um, We've got a, a lot of different projects going on. Our operating budget was submitted along with other departments on uh, the 14th. Um, we were able to balance that budget and we're looking to um, increase uh, by a seasonal ranger. Some of the work that they've done um, on 20, October 29th, there was a storm that came through, um, did some damage to the piers. Uh, you can see the, um, uh, the red and the green uh, rectangle where the damage was and what was corrected. Um, the other picture to the left, we replaced um, bollard lighting uh, down at Wells Cove. Um, and then with the, uh, again, with the uh, public landings, Obviously, everybody's aware that there was a, um, uh, a sunk boat there um, <laughs> for much longer than we'd anticipated. But out of, out of those bad things come good things, and some of those good things are the relationships that we, we established with the Coast Guard, MDE, the Natural Resources Police. Um, and it, again, it's all about process, you know, and making sure that we stay in our lane and we work with the right people and they do the, do the right thing for us. But we got it up and we got it out, so. That's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, we sent our rangers to um, uh, ranger school from November to uh, February. They met uh, once a month for, during that time period. Um, gives them a chance to meet with other rangers throughout the state um, to kind of just learn what is supposed to be done and how to, how to do things better. Again, with boating safety, we collaborated with Hannah's Marine Awareness and Toe Jam on boating safety signage, and that's the pink sign that you see up at the top. The yellow um, sticker you see is the new uh, annual permit for uh, 2022, and we also have a new vendor called Fishbones Bait and Tackle up in Pasadena, Maryland. Um, and then we also hosted the Christmas tree lighting at the uh, Roman Coke Pier. And the last thing I have is uh, the Baybridge Airport. They got a lot of projects going on there in the final design phase of the runway. The bid was sent out in February. Um, applications are, are actually due to FAA April 11th and should be awarded um, by September 2022. Construction will actually take place supposedly in 2023. Um, the airport has a new uh, business there called Archer Aircraft. Um, you can see they'll offer a variety of instructional service in both airplanes and helicopters. Hangars remain full, fuel cells are up, um, 
part and, and also in, in dealing with the fuel system, we're also replacing part of it with a fuel master equipment, which is um, obviously a, a higher technology, better use standard. Um, it's in cooperation also with other county departments that use that, that same system. And that system is supposed to be installed in about six weeks. And that must be my time. So thank you all very much. If you got any questions. Good job, brother. All right, thanks, Thank Steve. You. Any questions right. for Thank Director Shanley? For um, we've had a couple of citizens concerned about safety at the crossings for the, the Cross Island Trail. Right. That, I know we had some discussions with the state for maybe getting some lighting there. Do we have any updates on those discussions, or is it something we're still working on? Are you referring to the the four sites with the flashing lights? Yeah. So we've got two in. We've got one ready to go. We're still waiting on a, a, a conversation between SHA, and then we've got a fourth one down at the Narrows that is in the planning process that addresses all those concerns. All right. Well, thank you all. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Great job. Thank you. Okay. Uh, next up, commissioners, we have an update from Chesapeake Charities, and we have Linda Kohler, the executive director. So, Linda, you want to come on up? And uh, she's got a small piece in here under uh, tab five, item two. Actually, we are do the PowerPoint first. We have the PowerPoint as well. But okay. because I have some guests here and it's a little bit later, I want to bring them in first. So we'll just switch things around a little. So I would bet that Chesapeake Charities is a little bit bigger and better than you guys know. Can we get the microphone here, please? Sure. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, on your way here tonight, if you were coming up along Route 301 and you looked, actually you'd be looking back. So on your way home, going west, it's going to be on your left-hand side. We do a program about character. It's called Let's Talk. It's for the older kids. We also put it in the after-school program. So I've got some after-school students, their parents, to come join me. Come on in, guys. So these are billboards that have been throughout Queen Anne's County over the last year when there weren't character counts coaches. We took those character pillars. The dog is the one who's still up there right now. He says, think twice, choose nice, because people aren't always nice around Christmas. But simple ways for the billboards to show people what we do. And that Let's Talk program is now done in environmental clubs. It's done in after school programs. Um, Compass uses it in their summer program. We wrote all the curriculum for that. Those signs are just a small way to show people who are driving around that Queen Anne's County has some character. So because they've been here waiting a little while, I'm going to let them go on out and go home. Thank you guys very much. You can just drop the sign. Thank you for coming. So we fund partnering for youth. We also work with groups like the EDGE Training Academy and Giving the EDGE Fund. And they do a phenomenal job with us. So I'm going to try and move through quickly. Here we go. So what's a community foundation? We are a public charity, right? We have the ability to add funds at any point. So somebody comes with a charitable idea, they can have a 501c3 fund underneath Chesapeake Charities immediately. They don't have to go to the IRS, pay those fees, manage it themselves. We do all that for them. So what are the benefits of that? Well, we pull resources so we can do big things that an individual or a small group couldn't do. We get the maximum tax advantage, which is greater than if they had their own personal foundation. We have a lot of expertise in our um, staff, and um, we then train the nonprofits. So we've 
we've got 135 funds right now, not all in Queen Anne's County. How are we unique? Well, $5,000 opens a fund for you. We do not require you to keep all $5,000. You can get started and spend that money. Um, we issue grants every single week, so not twice a year like other community foundations. Most of our funds are non-endowed. That means that the money is raised and it starts doing good the very next day. And much lower fees. So our total fees on a non-endowed fund, that means the money comes in, the money goes out, is 3.5%. Our uh, closest competitor is at 10% for those funds. And we operate at 4% overhead. Standard in the industry is about 25. I was a banker, we spend our money well, which means that when you donate, your money is spent well. And we have a grant and evaluation office, so we bring in money. How much do we bring in? This is just Queen Anne's County. So donations into Chesapeake Charities so far are 12.5 million. Grants that do not come to us, that go to other Queen Anne's County agencies that we write grants for, seven and a half million. There are some of them there listed. We started Historic Stevensville A&E District. It was a fund with us for two years before the county worked with us to apply. We also built White Marsh, White Marsh Park. So there was nothing there and in fact, Todd's predecessor said to me, yeah, if we build something there, we'll just have to mow it. But anyway, one of my fund advisors had played soccer at Yale, and he <laughs> said, I'm going to build the nicest soccer fields you can imagine. I'm going to irrigate them underneath. He paid for all of that. Those were the first installment at White Marsh Park, and now it's one of your very best parks because you all have done all the rest. But we got you started. So uh, let's see. What else? So. Um, Parks and Rec was just talking about Corsica River Day. Well, that's one of our funds, the Corsica River Foundation. So they started it, they fund it, they do it, and it's a wonderful partnership with the county. And that's what we've done throughout. We try to partner, we try to stand in the back. Um, and where does the money go? It goes to scholarships for kids. Julianne Rosella, um, that scholarship, because she lost her life as a young child, goes so that other children can um, meet their goals. We have a young man who's already become a paramedic. We have a nurse from those scholarships. Um, and then our donors also give out to other nonprofits in Queen Anne's County. I didn't count that in there. But we've given to Chester Y, to Compass, to Haven Ministries, to the Volunteer Fire Department. They've got about $125,000 in the last two years. And to the public school teachers. So... All right, that's all we need there. I wanted to thank you all because when the tornadoes hit Kentucky, I had an idea that maybe what we would do is we'd just bake some Christmas cookies, right? Because the people didn't have homes and they certainly didn't have kitchens. So we put that out on social media and within, oh gosh, five days, we had a tractor trailer full of food, clothing, pet food, supplies, and of course, cookies. And so... Everybody got cookies. You all need to have cookies. We'll start with the major power source in Queen Anne's County, which is Mark and Cattle. Take some of that down. And you'll show the video on Kentucky. So this is what it was really like when we were there. Too bad Bruce is not here because they're chocolate chip. <laughs> so it's the newer Kentucky with them. Cookies all around. Can't beat that. That's our board chair, Audrey Scott, helping out. You can turn the sound down. Um, just other volunteers. Never knew this woman before. She and Audrey became best buddies. 
That's our grant manager, Lori Ireland. And so we were given space by KRM. These are folks from Easton, the church there. There is the um, pastor in the back there. They donated. Just other folks who came to help us. And like I said, it was just cookies at first, but pretty soon it was a whole lot of cookies. In fact, it was a whole room of cookies. And then it was toys because Christmas was coming. We went down on December 22nd and 23rd. So people came from all over with brand new toys. That was our group, Lucy Cruz joined me. She got it out on Facebook and, that, and the county put it on QAC TV. They did a great job. That was dog food. There's our tractor trailer donated um, by Trigas and Oil and this gentleman, Mr. Breeding. There is uh, our good friend from Trigas and Oil and the Ken Island uh, lacrosse team that Bobby organized to come and load that truck and they work for a couple of hours. There's the truck. Unfortunately at five in the morning that's me heading to Nashville. So we rented an RV. There wasn't room in the tractor trailer for us. We met Team Rubicon at the airport in Nashville. We just missed Senator Paul who had been right where we ended up in Princeton. We connected with the Community Foundation in Kentucky. Other people kept showing up at places where they didn't need supplies, but we got rerouted and that's how we went to Princeton. Folks from all over our country helped and that's what we saw. It was truly the most devastation I have ever seen in my life. We are so blessed we've not had something like that happen. 200 miles worth of devastation. Any building you could see that was in that, the tornado's path was just totally decimated. People set up piles and they burnt whatever they could just to get rid of it. You can see they've got the appliances all off so that they might be able to use them again, but that's what most homes look like. Hmm. And while we were there, more storms were coming. The weather was warm and so they were afraid of storms. This was this man's house. That was a toy he'd gotten. Linda, a woman we were met. you down there? We were down there just two days. two days, flew in one morning, flew back the next. And people started to rebuild, amazing resiliency. That was our, our mobile home with the toys because we connected with the Red Cross and went to a second town. And um, you'll see in just a moment, we had a toy giveaway and we had cocoa and those cookies. And there's our toy giveaway and there we are. Um, that's the room we set up, so we weren't the only uh, donator of toys, but the kids could come in that day. This was a gym as part of a church where they were just trying to set up um, in one of the poorer sections of town. That's the Red Cross event we were at, and there's those cookies that people gave us. And Santa and Mrs. Claus were there, so it was really a great event, and we are <coughs> tremendously grateful for all the help, which I started with Todd and Commissioner Steve Wilson and they got us connected and George Harvey and the QAC TV guys put it on TV and uh, the rest is history. Thank you all so much for partnering with us to do big things for other people. I will be going back because that song um, was Chris Stapleton. He gave $50,000 while I was there. He's doing a concert for Kentucky April 23rd. He hopefully is going to show that video or a part of it during his concert. So um, that's why we had that music in there. 
All right, so um, let's see. We've told you what we make and all of those other things. We had just one other thing we wanted to bring to your attention. Two years ago, we talked to Commissioner Wilson again, Parks and Rec Department, about building an inclusive park called Celebration Park. We asked if there was a place in the county where that could happen. And two things came back, potentially Bat's Neck Park or the Davison Park. Well, as you all know, Davison doesn't have the facilities or any um, infrastructure right now, but Bat's Neck Park does. So, we've now talked to some funders. We've partnered with the um, International Elks, um, with uh, some of the builders, people who want to donate for this park. And so, if you will show the next. Um, so what we would like to ask is if you all would be supportive of Chesapeake Charities working with Parks and Rec and the county. Um, Kim Craddeville has told us that we could probably get some earmarked funding through um, Senator Cardin to purchase the equipment. Um, this, you can turn that song up. So this would be a park where children in wheelchairs and adults in wheelchairs could access all of the equipment. Wheelchair accessible swings would be part of it. It would connect then to the trail system you already have built with the Rotary and Brad Lundberg, who's also the head of the Queen Anne's County um, Chamber. I believe that we could get the funding and with the Weinberg Foundation to build something really phenomenal. Closest one similar to this happens to be in McLean, Virginia, 60 miles from here. Um, the director, it's part of their parks program, and they get 1,000 people on weekdays and 10,000 people over the weekend for their park. Now, their park is bigger, but it's old. It was built in 2006, so we would have equipment that would be much newer. And um, these are just concepts. We were thinking it would have sort of a water local theme with turtles and fish. And um, the most important part is the surface where wheelchairs could ac access everything. The low to the ground facilities. They also have a carousel. And of course, we have um, Ed Hiller here who builds carousels. So we would work with Ed to put a state-of-the-art carousel in, hopefully with things like seahorses and mermaids and all of that. Um, but really, for young and old, if you were a grandparent in a wheelchair, you'd have a really hard time getting up to where your grandchildren were playing on equipment. And um, just to connect it to all the trails, put out a, a gazebo where performances could be done. That's our concept. And um, we can't apply for that earmark funding unless we have a partnership with the county. We're pretty likely to get it if we do. It's all up to you guys. But we'd love to work with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we have to make sure that we have Chesapeake Charities back here on a regular basis. <laughs> Great presentation and wonderful cookies as well, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. Any questions for? Any questions, anybody? Stevie? Nope. Oh, all right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for your dedication, Linda. Okay, Commissioners, our next uh, update is from the Kent Island Federation of Arts, and we have a number of folks here. We have the President and Vice President, Maureen Wheatley and Melissa Craig. Come on up, folks. And one community member, uh, I believe. Okay, sure. Come on up. Sure. You, Miss Tucker? 
Okay. Hi, thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure follow, uh, following this lady. She is amazing. Wonderful, wonderful presentation. Um, my name is Judy Tucker. I live at 110 Brickhouse Road in Stevensville, Maryland. And my husband, Tom, and I moved here seven years ago from Crofton. And we love it. We love living here. And when we were getting ready to move here, Tom said, do you think you're going to like living here on the water? I said, I'm going to love living here, but I'm going to be lonely because I don't have any friends. Well, that problem has been solved once I found Kifa, Kent Island Federation for the Arts. So it's been life-changing for me. I'm a retired teacher. I taught for 40 years in Prince George's County. I had a lot of friends in Crofton. I didn't know anyone here in Stevensville. Well, that has changed. Um, being at Kent Island Federation for the Arts, it's actually a home away from home. We now call it the Art House. It's given me a place to go, friends to be with. Um, it's been life-changing. Now, I did not bring cookies, but I brought some <laughs> arts and crafts. And, um, and this one's going to be for Margie. And you can hang it anywhere in your house Thank you. or on a tree. But doing crafts and doing arts and working with the ladies has been so fulfilling for me. So we're out collecting driftwood and using recycled materials and just doing all these wonderful things, um, making trees out of oyster shells. And I always felt like a craft person. I never really felt like an artist until people at Kifa said, Judy, you're an artist. And I'm like, I didn't know I was an artist. I thought I was a craft person and I would make crafts and have things to do with my hands. So it makes me feel so wonderful to be embraced by these fellow artists. At first I started volunteering there on Wednesdays and that was okay. It wasn't exciting until I started volunteering on Thursdays. So you're probably thinking, how is Thursday so different than Wednesday? Well, on Thursday they had something at Kifa called Open Painting, where this woman, Lee, would set it up so that other artists could come, just put a donation in the pot in the center of the table, spend a couple of hours bringing your, your artwork, your craft, and working on it. Well, at first I just brought my shells and my materials. I slowly started to bring watercolor and paper and paints. And the more I went there, the more it helped me to grow as a person. Um, not only did I grow as an artist, but what happened is this group of ladies who would come on Thursdays would then become friends. So the next thing I know, my phone is beeping. Are you coming? Who's coming? Who's coming Thursday? I'll be there at 10.30. And with time, the friendships would blossom. So it, this has been a life-changing event for me, getting involved with Kifa. And there's so many things to do there. You know, we, we have um, art days where we do art out on the lawn with children. We have craft fairs. Um, we have art shows, art galleries, where you can exhibit and put your piece of work in. And, um, and I was so excited, one of, my, one of my pieces actually won a prize, which never occurred to me. I just wanted to be part of the whole thing. And, um, and I'm like, wow. 
And then with the money I got, which was a small amount for winning a first place in a decorative uh, project, I donated that to a little scholarship fund. One of our members um, passed away a year ago. And, and we thought, what can we do to honor her? So we started a little scholarship in her name for Susan Davis. And because of this little fund we've started, now there's been a couple of young women who've been able to take art classes and get art supplies because of the money that we've donated um, in Susan's name. So it's just being, being part of a community is a wonderful feeling. And I just wanted to speak to you from my heart as, as a member of the community. And I'm so grateful to have the Kiva Art House as a place to go and meet people and grow. So thank you for your time. Could you, thank real you. quick, could you, uh, if anybody was, who's watching tonight or even here in the room this mm -hmm. evening wanted to get involved in Kiva, how, how do they go about that? So, um, and, and I'll direct this to Maureen and Melissa, but it's very easy to join. And we're located in this beautiful antique pink building right in, in Main, on Main Street in, in Stevensville. And you can just come to our front door and come on in and fill out a little application and become a member. And uh, you too can have all the fun that I'm having. Very good. And Thank Maureen can probably give you more details yeah. about joining. Okay, thank you for asking. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I get to go after Judy Tucker. She recruited me for Kifa. Hmm. So, um, and to follow up on your question, there's a brand new public Facebook page called Art House Kifa. Uh, you can go there and get more information, or you can go to our website, which is www.kifa.us, to join to be a member. Um, I'm the newest uh, member of Kifa and of the executive board. My name is Melissa Craig, uh, the new vice president. I'm retired aviation and owner of an art entertainment company called Seeking Stars Art. I'm also the vice president of uh, an organization that Linda mentioned, the historic Stevensville A&E District. I want to take a moment uh, to thank you for having us here today and for your kind support, I'm told, over the last three years of grant support. Um, so it is important that we come and say that to you. Uh, you helped Kifa, a nonprofit organization, survive during a time when many other organizations did not over the past few years, and that's <clears throat> very important. I said when I retired from aviation that I wanted to move to an island, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, with a thriving art scene, and boy, did I step in it. <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place. Um, and uh, there's been many changes over the past few years, um, and or art organizations have had to adjust and adjust quickly. Uh, we now provide virtual classes and soon virtual galleries for all of our shows. Uh, this is an upside, of course, uh, to all of these changes. Um, with your continued support, we'll be reaching virtual audiences well beyond Kent Island, allowing them to experience all the wonderful art that this unique island has to offer. We have a very uh, unique, unique, distinct art that is available here that is nowhere else. Um, and so to be able to provide that out to a larger audience is a wonderful opportunity. So out of a few rough years is going to come some really interesting things. Um, 
My role at Kifa is to help establish the online presence, increase that viewing audience, and ultimately improve the overall internal and external communications. At the same time, we have a real opportunity to expand our power through improved partnerships, especially through A&E, as well as to offer more creative collaborations, projects, and events for the community. More support, more options, right? Um, we are also getting ready, and this is, I walked right into this my first year, we are also getting ready to celebrate our 60th anniversary at Kifa, and that's an amazing accomplishment for any organization to have survived for 60 years. Um, I'm blessed to be here with the president of Kifa tonight, who will be speaking next, Maureen Wheatley. 30 years experience with the Kifa organization. So for me to step in underneath of her uh, in this role, I feel very blessed. Um, and I'll let her speak you know, more to the 60th when she comes up. But I would like you to save the date of September 10th. We'll be having our Diamond Jubilee Gala at the American Legion. And I hope you can join us. And I would love, I'll be doing the emceeing and the script and everything for that event. So if you could join us and I could recognize you there uh, for your ongoing support, that would be wonderful. Um, so September 10th, did everybody write it down? <laughs> and I do recognize Stephen Wilson from a recent A&E meeting too. So thank you, sir, for coming out um, to that as well. Um, uh, I think that's all I have to say, but with um, your continued support and my goal uh, in working with multiple art organizations and taking on these leadership roles is to really make Kent Island an art destination. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, I'm Maureen Wheatley. I've been here before. I'm thanking you, and I'm thanking you again for your continued support. Um, as you know, we live in a, or our art lives in an 1890 building in the middle of historic Stevensville. And there's been talk back and forth, tear it down, build a new building. And I go, what? We're surrounded, we even have a historic number on our building. How could we do that? So we're really glad that you've given us some help with um, the repairs that continue. Um, we just put in a brand new furnace. Um, as soon as we did that, we found out that we needed a liner in our chimney. That took six weeks, the first six weeks of this year, not to have heat with a brand new furnace. So we couldn't even turn the furnace on. So we had um, our heat, we have heat, baseboard heat in one of our classrooms. So that was the only heat we had in the building. Um, meanwhile, we had two shows up <laughs> and running. Um, we had private, um, you know, a call for an appointment to see any of the art shows, but people had to wear their coats to come in and stuff like that. So we juggled that and we kept going. We had to schedule a full docket of classes from the first month to the second month, um, move everybody over because we had not enough heat in the building to have classes. So um, anyway, we're really glad that you guys do give us money and have helped us in the past. Um, last year, um, well, I'll start with 2020 when you gave us $10,000. Um, we were able to replace the back door 
um, and make it safe for our building. We upgraded all the electricity throughout the build in the house, checked, checked everything out, put LED lights in, saved amazing amount of electricity by doing that. Then we had those big gallery spotlights in the gallery. Every, every month I was replacing a light bulb in there with the old lights. I have not replaced one in three years. So I'm really happy that I don't have to climb up and down the ladders to do that. Um, uh, we also um, replaced um, uh, the roof on our shed. We had to put a brand new roof on our storage shed out back because squirrels had burrowed a hole in the corner there and it was leaking in. So that's one of the things we've done. Um, and then in 2021, we received $5,000 from you and we replaced three large windows, the brand new windows, um, energy efficient windows in our gallery downstairs and also replaced one upstairs um, that was right above our front um, door that was where the windowsill had been leaking water all the way into our gift shop and we could not find the leak. They replaced the roof I don't know how many times across there and they still couldn't find the leak and finally um, I think we had economy roofing or somebody come out and say oh this is your problem <laughs> you got a rotted sash you got rotten boards so they had to fix all that up we had to have the um, fish tail your fish scales on the front of the building uh, replaced that were rotted too. Some of the water was coming in in between the cracks of that. So um, that was one of the things that got fixed as well. Um, in 22, um, we, put, we received $2,500 and that's when we put the fund, funds toward um, putting, bringing in our new boiler system. Um, now in, 2000, in um, 2023, we're asking for $10,000 to to improve the safety goals and improvements to our house, our house capital campaign, namely to assist with chimney repair costs, um, the foundation work. Um, we've had, it looks good, that, you know, or everybody tells us for an 1890 building, thank God you don't have a big family running around pounding on the floors in there. But there's still, you know, it is that wondering whether or not we should do that. We know we need to put new guttering across the back for drainage so that the water just doesn't drain underneath into the crawl space. Um, and let's see. Oh, and also um, we need to be looking at the plumbing and upgrading that next. So um, that's about it right there. Um, I wanted to pass this around. This is just um, some pages of our shows that we did in 2020 when we first shut down with the pandemic. Um, we decided we were going to do um, a local heroes. Um, show and Home is Where the Heart Is. Those were two shows that ran simultaneously um, at the gallery and if you notice on the pages we had both um, adults and children participate in it. We've been really pushing for the youth and some of those youth 
and some of those adults on there are also receiving scholarships from us for free classes um, because of either um, learning disabilities or um, emotional um, disturb. We have um, quite a few kids have been coming through our system um, this past year. We had a couple, I was mentoring two high school kids last year um, who were having trouble getting lost in their art class, you know, by trying to do everything virtual. Um, it's just, um, we have kids that, you know, have really been touched by friends either committing suicide or whatever. I have a, an adult student right now that's on chemo. She's got two kinds of cancer, and we're paying for, um, you know, scholarships for her to be able to keep taking art classes because it means so much to her. And that way she doesn't have to worry about, and some of the other, the parents don't have to worry about the extra expenses for the um, students that need it. So that's one of the pushes that we've made this last year for increasing scholarships for just classes for kids and for adults. And I'm looking for, you know, that. Um, there is so much to be said for the arts to helping people. And during this pandemic, when, when I was able to um, put on the Paint Stevensville and have the art um, fairs out front, we, we do that the first Saturday of every month from April to September. We just, you know, open the doors, we throw out a bunch of art stuff and say, okay, come, you know, play. Adults and children, family come play. We have um, a musician usually there. We've, we've tried to do it every month to have a musician come and play. We've been um, trying to encourage uh, more musicians to participate with our activities as well because um, we, we like to go across the ground. We're getting ready to also have a concert at the um, historic church in Stevensville. Um, uh, June, it'll be June 10th. It's gonna be a Friday night um, at using the church. So we're real excited about that. We did have a play plan there, I guess in 2020, and um, it got canceled because of the COVID. So, um, you know, that we're gonna try to get them back again, so. Um, so we really think this is so important for our community to keep the arts alive and to have this, uh, you know, it's amazing how much support through the pandemic that us artists have been receiving um, because they know that we, we're struggling when we're not selling our work, um, you know, or being able to teach classes like we have been, um, you know, and all that. So it's amazing the feeling that we get from our whole community and how much they thank us for being there and being open. And um, Kifa was able to be open for most of the time, except for when Hogan closed everything down. Um, you know, we just, um, we were able to stay open because we had the nice big outside area, you know, lawn, so all our, receptions were able to be held outside and then we just opened the carriage doors and people just went in few at a time to see the exhibits and 
but everybody was able to socialize. And when we had paint Stevensville, the artists were so thankful <laughs> that we were able to do that too because the, they, they come from Easton and Delaware and um, Baltimore and you know Annapolis to come over and paint together. So that was really nice to be able to do that and bring people from outside the area. Um, to to this. This year, we're not doing Paint Stevensville. We're going to have a um, garden tour uh, in uh, the first weekend in June, and we're going to be inviting the plein air painters to come and be at the gardens painting. So, hope you all check that out, too. And our calendar is on the website, and um, if you want to be hooked up to the um, newsletter that we put out too, you can just leave a, a note that you want to um, be on that newsletter, and I can we can send a news blast to you all too, so that you're kept abreast of everything that we're doing. Okay. Very good. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for letting us be here. Thank you very much. All right, Commissioners, our uh, final presentation this evening is from our Community Services Department. It's an update from, uh, we have uh, Mike Clark and Annie Sparks here, Chief of Housing Services and Chief of Aging. And I believe Kathy is uh, with her daughter at some sporting activities tonight. So she's she will is. be uh, doing the update this evening for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And Kathy does send her regrets. She says this is the first Commissioner update in her career she's ever missed, but she's got a senior on the ladies um, on the ladies Queen Anne's team basketball team and they are playing the right now as we speak as we speak they're they're having the Bayside championships and her daughter's a senior and she just doesn't want to miss it so can't blame her there so again she uh, she um, sends her regrets for that but uh, has sent Annie and me the, the kind of the the B string to follow up for her so that said we're gonna be talking a lot about uh, the annual report uh, that you should have a copy of and we just wanted to mention before I turn it over to Annie that we want to thank Rebecca Rombro in our office who helped put that together. Um, she was a big piece of that. And yes, Kathy item four in your book, excuse me Mike, Thanks. item four in your book yep. is the update, yeah. All right. All right, as you know, I'm Ann Sparks, the Chief of Aging and Transportation, and we do have a couple of the aging administrators here with us that I would like to give a shout out to. We have Ann Van Benschoten, who is the Community Care Administrator, and proud to introduce Stacy Voorhees, who is our new Senior Center Administrator, who is a familiar face for Queen Anne's County. She's been here 17 plus years, uh, working through DPW and Parks and Recreation, so we are very excited to have her on the um, administrator team as well. Um, and without further ado, we will jump into our annual report update for FY21, which you'll see, and we'll add a few updates for things going on now as well. Um, so as you know, the senior centers reopened in May of 2021, which we were all very excited for. We did start with that tiered opening. So in the summer, we were back open fully and have been since um, that time, uh, fully operational with meals, classes, evening dances, as you're all aware of, you've been to some of those. Um, so we uh, are doing well with all of that. Uh, one of the uh, 
proud moments that we did through the pandemic was have a virtual senior center. So we are also excited that we have continued a couple of those virtual options, um, even though we've reopened the senior centers. Um, one of those being an evidence-based enhanced fitness class, which is an exercise class for people of all uh, abilities. And then we also have um, Pearls, which is a one-on-one -on -one program designed to reduce depression and social, iso uh, social isolation, which is very important for um, the folks of Queen Anne's County, of course. Um, and then we also have from the Community Care Division um, a restaurant program which uh, started through COVID. Um, we did some grab and goes from the senior centers and we have also started a restaurant program round two. So we started that very recently, which Ann Vam and Shoten has been spearheading um, and doing very well with. And we are operating that for the home delivered meals program. Um, so they are getting, uh, on top of their frozen meals, they are also getting a fresh restaurant meal once a week, which they love. Um, so I know you've heard about that program before. Um, so we are still continuing. How many people continuing. are we, you still feeding now? On the, For the, the, um, the, the fresh meal. The fresh meal is through the Home Delivered Meals program. And currently, how many? Sixty-five and seventy um, through that. We um, when we were closed, we did the grab and goes through the senior centers, which saw about that number as well each week. Um, but we've since stopped that since people can come for a congregate meal and eat with others in the senior centers now. Um, and then another part of um, that we're proud of that you won't see in the brochure um, that we wanted to touch on is the amount of grants work we've done through COVID um, and beyond. Um, so the Area Agency on Aging, uh, which normally operates with 25 grants, has added on an additional 15 grants through COVID, um, which brought in a um, whopping $3 million additional. Um, and I mention it because of the amount of work that the staff put in for that um, to get the programs going and services. Um, 2.8 million of that is for the transportation division. Um, so a lot of work from our staff um, that we're very proud of. And um, since I mentioned transportation, I would also like to mention the northern route, which we've all been anticipating, which started on February 7th. Um, so it's been a couple weeks in. We had about five riders um, take it that first week, um, which takes you from um, Chestertown all the way to the Walmart in Denton. Um, and many stops in between. Um, so it allows many of the northern residents to have access to shopping, which is very vital for um, the people living there. Um, one thing that Mike and I talk about often is how our two divisions work very closely together. Um, and so the northern route started on February 7th, and um, I was very excited on February 8th that we had one of the housing clients who was um, had potential to be placed in housing in one of the northern um, senior housing facilities, but they were hesitant due to transportation um, concerns. And I was so excited to hand over that flyer and route for the northern route and say, hey, this is what we have. And um, so it was, it's been a hot topic and uh, the transportation office has been visiting the seniors at the center, talking to them about it. Um, so we're very excited for that and what's to come. Um, so with that said, I will turn it over to Mike. 
All right. And I get to uh, talk in, the, in regards to the annual report for the local management board side and the housing side. And, and, and you'll see that um, there's several examples of in, in underneath the local management board, some of the successes we've had. But it's always important to mention, and I think everyone here knows it, but it still has to be mentioned, that the local management board doesn't provide direct services. Instead, we provide support to providers and community members and government officials and citizens and others to connect and coordinate so they can provide the services. <coughs> Ultimately, we strive to increase the capacity of a community to support children and families better. And basically, that's just a lot of words to say that the LMB is only successful because of the people in our community and the partnerships we have with them. That's what makes us successful. And the county commission, quite frankly, is a big part of the success. And I'll tell you, when I bring up some of the stuff that this group does with my colleagues in other jurisdictions, they get incredibly jealous, um, not only for what the support you give to the LMB, but to the support you give to the, the community. And that's incredibly appreciated, and it, and it shows results. Um, so you can, I invite you to look over the things on the LMB. Uh, another example of how the LMB, we, we don't provide the direct services, but we support a lot of them. One that we do support is the backpack program, the hunger backpack program. And just to get everybody on the same page, I think most know about that, but it's, it's a volunteer organization that provides weekend food for children throughout Queen Anne's County who are at risk of not having enough to eat when school's not in session. In 2021, 69 people volunteered for that program and provided 607 volunteer hours. Um, they served 5,470 bags of food to 450 youth. Um, the commissioners, you graciously supported the effort along with donations from churches, other nonprofits, foundations, and it's an example of what I think of as a perfect partnership. As a county, you guys contributed $37,675. Donations totaled $18,482 for the year. And according to independentsector.org, one volunteer hour is worth $28.54. So at that rate, volunteer hours committed towards this equaled about $17,324. What that means is that the county commissioner's contribution was a one-to-one -one pair for that program. And again, um, but ultimately when we collect our reports, one of the comments that was made, just to my mind, is just an incredible comment. It's a short comment. It's from whoever completed the report from the U New United Methodist Church in Chester. And they said, we're very grateful to be able to provide food for the kids in the program. And I, that's, that's a simple, short comment, but I just think it's so impressive that, that they're grateful to provide the service. To, and they're, they're providing a big piece of that. And without them, it just couldn't happen. And that's just an example of how, how great our county is. Um, just and then as for an example on the housing side of what we do moving over to housing I just want to tell a story of a, of a 62 year old gentleman that was referred to our office and he came into our housing office and on the 19th of July um, he was referred to Cindy Boone who works in the housing program she's a housing program administrator for the homeless prevention and rapid rehousing unit there after meeting with him she discovered that he has been homeless three times over the past three years since his wife died the total number of months he was homeless over that, those three years was 12 months, and at the present time he met with her, he was living with his vehicle, and he'd been living that way since March of that year. On July 26, McBoone uh, looked at options with him and saw that he was eligible for permanent supportive housing, which could have helped him greatly, but the waiting list was just too long. Then through the Homeless Solutions Program, a program we run through our office, um, 
and emergency shelter funds, he was provided about 13 night hotel stay, and then his hotel stay ended on August 2nd when he was successfully housed in a senior housing unit through the Queen Anne's County Housing Authority, which is he pushed real hard and worked with the folks at the Housing Authority. And his security deposit and first month rent was covered through some of the grants we received. He got furnishings from Haven Ministries and their Hope Warehouse to help have him place to sleep and et cetera and couch to sit on. So you think it's great, ends there. Well, in September 21, he voiced concern regarding his ability to pay rent due to his limited disability income. His rent was $845. And then um, we looked at possibly finding him something even cheaper. It's tough to do that. But in order to do that, he would have been put on longer waiting lists. So we had to forgo that. Then on top of that, he noticed that he got a message from Social Security saying that he owed money back. Somehow there was a mistake made and he had to pay back money from Social Security. So, um, so now he's got a problem with that. So, this is another example of how the groups, it's good that those organizations are all put in the same department. So she reached out to Jennifer Hall, who's a program specialist on Annie's side of the shop and with the area aging. She jumped right in to help with the situation. And then at the same time, while she's working with them, they found out his food stamps were being cut from $234 a month to $65 a month. So he's, he's having a tough point. At the point where he said at this time that, you know, I'd rather be living back in my truck. It's a, that's not a direct quote, but that's what he told us. So at that point, uh, we went and we applied for an emergency housing choice voucher, which we started working through through our office. And Ms. Boone helps clients in many different ways. At the same time, when he sounds like he could be eligible for this, but he had something on his record that made, it, made him question whether they could give him this voucher. And Ms. Boone worked with him to clear that up so that he could get the voucher. And then on December 9th, Ms. Hall was able to meet with the folks and have a phone conversation with folks at Social Security to work out the paycheck issue and get that cleared up. So then his emergency choice voucher that, that Cindy got um, became effective just the first of this month, mm. making his portion of the rent, taking it from 845 to 261. And this tremendously helped him and his ability. And at that point, we've now on our side, he's no longer on our list as a client because he's now able to sustain himself, which shows an example of what our department does. One, it shows how the different divisions within the Department of Community Services work together, but also shows on the housing side that we're hopefully trying to move people towards that self-sufficiency. So that's just kind of, I thought that story could kind of sum up a little bit on a day-to-day -day of, of what our work is. So I'll leave it there. Awesome. Excellent. Wow, man. An amazing yes. story. Excellent. Appreciate it. Mm. Thank you all very much. More to come, right? More to come. Go Lady Lions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <clears throat> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Annie. Thank you both for coming tonight. Great. Good to see you all. All right, Commissioners, we can move into our action items for yep. this evening. Uh, if you want to turn over to uh, tab number three. All right, so tab three, item one on page one is a support letter for House Bill 663. And this is a letter to support geographic diversity for the Education and Accountability Board membership. This would include, uh, if this bill is approved, it would include one member at least from the Eastern Shore. I move to execute the support letter for House Bill 663, Geographic Diversity for Education and Accountability Board. Second. We've got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? By zero. Motion carries. Thank you, Commissioner. Item two on page two is a support letter for the Bay Bridge Run to MDTA for this year's event on November 13th, 2022. 
I move to execute the support letter for the Bay Bridge Run scheduled for November 13th, 2022. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. Motion carries. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item three on uh, pages three through five is um, 2109, definition of a shooting club. And this is a text amendment that was uh, sent over to the Planning Commission to amend Chapter 18 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County to prohibit operation on the lands that are adjacent to existing and or approved subdivisions. Uh, the Planning Commission's report is in here as well, and they uh, recommended taking no action on this text amendment. I move to accept the Planning Commission's recommendation of no action on text amendment County Ordinance 21-09 and move to retain the existing definition of a shooting clubs as it is set forth in Chapter 18, Appendix 1. Second. All right, we've got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, this, uh, the ordinance itself is dealing with a much broader issue. I think everybody in this room, we've heard from some tonight, and over the last month and a half, personally, I've heard from quite a few people um, with concerns, and concerns on both sides. Um, and this is a issue that though this ordinance is broad ranging countywide, um, I don't think we have to sugarcoat this to know that this is about one particular project um, that's been spoke about tonight. Um, and this will move to the Board of Appeals uh, going forward. And I would just like to say that, you know, I, I support the people, I've met with the people, I've heard their concerns, and I will continue to work with them to try and mitigate as much as possible as I told them the other night. Um, and I would like to sit down with both sides because I think it's important. That hasn't happened here. Quite frankly, I think a social media campaign was played out that was uh, a disservice to the, to the whole process, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not, this isn't the first time I've you know, said that I don't like governing on social media because I think the information's inaccurate. Um, a lot of times it's heated. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't show the adults in the room, sadly. We're not showing a, you know, not giving our kids a good uh, example to live by. Um, so again, I pledge to stay involved in this. It's in North County. Um, and thus, obviously, probably the reason I was engaged more than some of my fellow commissioners. I know that Commissioner Corcorino took time out the other night to also meet with the same citizens I did, which I appreciate him taking that time. And I appreciated them taking their time. And I appreciated having a tour of the facility and looking at the plans that are there. Um, and to give some, you know, some more insight, our Department of Public Works is looking at facilities similar to this around the country to look at other things that have been done. Um, and I just believe that, uh, you know, I, I was told that, that when you go to the Board of Appeals, it's pretty much rubber stamp. But I don't believe that in this case because I don't believe there's ever been a, uh, something that's been brought to the Board of Appeals where noise and, and safety are the key issues and factors. So I think the compassion and, and the, uh, the, the, the points that were brought to me the other night, I think are gonna hold a lot of weight there. And I don't think, um, I don't think you need lawyers. I mean, we're all normal people. You have two farmers on the Board of Appeals um, from North County. So I, I think it's well represented and I think that uh, the ears have to be open. This is not gonna be a, a one night listen to a couple people speak and make a, a grand decision that's going to affect a lot of people's lives on both sides. Um, it's going to be a process and it'll probably be drawn out for a few months. Who knows? 
Um, I don't. And that's, that's, you know, that's why I believe in the process, and, and, and I believe that the Board of Appeals, I know the gentleman on there, and I think that they're going to get this right in the end. And that's my optimistic view of it. Some people have told me that I'm foolish, but you know what? Um, I still believe in humanity and, and, and the way that we do things. So that's all I've got. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add, um, just to, to uh, add on to what Jack was saying about this process going to the Board of Appeals, and I know that we had someone testify that, that you know, that that's, um, uh, there, we, we could address this issue here. But I think um, by it moving to the Board of Appeals, um, there are conditions, compromises that can be established in this amendment, amend the amendment, uh, if you will. And so, uh, again, as Jack said, trust in the process um, and that, um, that all concerns will be addressed. Anybody else? Anything to say there? Mm -hmm. um, a couple words on it. So the, with the Board of Appeals, we'll deal with project-specific issues. Um, what this was was a change that would be countywide. And um, it was put forth to see if we could have a discussion about can we have something countywide that addresses this issue. And, and unfortunately, the conversation on it was derailed. Um, I heard a lot of things. Tonight we heard it. I think one of the emails someone sent, they thought it's because a commissioner lived next door to the range that they got introduced. That, and that's not true. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's not true. Um, I heard <coughs> people say, well, this is just a backdoor to try and take away hunting in Queen Anne's County. That's not true. I mean, we, we just sent a letter to the General Assembly to try to get hunting on Sundays. We, we, why would we be doing that? It doesn't even make sense that we try to get rid of hunting when we're, when we're trying to do that. Um, or that it was to get rid of, you know, shooting. And we even said at a, at a commission meeting, none of the commissioners here would vote to get rid of shooting or hunting in Queen Anne's County. It just, it would never happen. Uh, but that discussion went in that direction. And, and I think as a result, the conversation got muddled. Uh, and I think that's unfortunate. And I would hope that going forward with other issues when they get raised, people will take the time that when their neighbor, and I say neighbor, everybody in the county, I think, is our neighbors. Listen to the issues raised by the neighbors instead of having a predetermined view of what it means and find out what it is that's impacting them. Uh, you would want the same courtesy back to you when it's an issue facing you. Um, and, you know, I, I think we have to just focus back on, on getting onto civil discourse. Um, anyway, it, it got a little bit off track in the Planning Commission. Um, heard a lot from you know people who are opposed to it, who maybe didn't have all the facts on it, but that's um, that process is now over. Um, Board of Appeals process is still ahead, and so maybe we'll have you know more vigorous discussion on that. There, there, as Jack said, maybe ways to find to bridge the interest that everybody has and, and maybe come up with a solution that is palatable for everybody. Um, Which is ultimately what I heard in amending this is to get a solution that works for this particular project and I, I think right. that's where we need to be not we'll see so I, I would encourage everybody no matter what side you are for or against the shooting range there go to the Board of Appeals express express your side um, civilly um, and you know let trust that they'll they'll do their job the right way but it's important that we have civil discourse that's one of the most important things we can do uh, there's not enough of it going on anymore um, all right, I think that's all. We'll call the vote. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed?
5-0, motion carries. Okay, commissioners, our next item, item number four on pages six through 59 is citizen-sponsored text amendment 2104. This is from last year. If you recall, this is a citizen-sponsored text amendment application submitted by Trip Callahan. And this proposal would allow as a conditional use the construction of utility scale solar outside of the mapped utility scale solar array district, as long as it is partially within that existing overlay zone. It is recommended by the Planning Commission and staff to introduce this as an ordinance and schedule a public hearing. So before we go down the road of introducing something that we may not like later, can I ask, how does this affect us um, in terms of what we've designated in the county as our solar district, where our pilot is available and things like that? I don't want to create a situation <clears throat> I'm really sure how to word I just don't want to create a situation where we expand outside of what in our minds we consider the solar district and and I think this kind of broaches on it to where all I got to do is have a leg in there that's right and then the whole body can be somewhere else that, that just scares me a little bit because where would that solar array what's it going to broach on are we going to have a similar situation where we're putting a 600 acre solar and and you know I, I know you guys remember the whole Churchill thing with yep. in the middle of yep. a community like that I just worry that something like this may precipitate that because typically it's always been that one mile outside and you had to keep it in there because that was what was cost effective. Now it seems like they're kind of thinking, oh, well, we don't necessarily have to do that. So I'm just bringing that up as before we push this out. That's all. Well, I mean, originally we, uh, I believe we set aside 2,200 acres. Do you know, Amy? So give or take 2,200 acres for solar. Uh, what I'm more concerned about is what's going on in the legislation right now with the committee they're putting together where there's no representation at all from the Eastern Shore uh, for solar and renewable. That's, that's rooftop, Jim. That's the one you're talking about. That's a task force for rooftop solar. We just talked about that last night. It's not, it's not the utility grade. And then there, the other you're 100% positive on yeah, that. And the other one is the community solar, which they're doing one for the resident because they're trying to get more rooftop solar more brownfield stuff so they want to put the community solar in the brownfields okay right but what scared me about that one more so is they're going to increase the amount that they're going to call community solar to five megawatt from two megawatt right well i can do 10 five megawatts now i'm up to utility grade but there's nothing that's going to stop you from doing 10 five megawatts to make 50. you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I, I mean, These guys are looking at the loopholes, I'm telling you. I, we just had a case, I talked to Amy, we, we helped a citizen out that I believe was scammed by a solar company to uh, get, you know, their land rights. Um, so luckily, uh, we were able to stop that. So I'm just worried that this kind of, I don't know, that basically opens up everything. And the PSC has already said they're not going to, uh, if it makes sense and it gets there without the public um, well, 2,200 acres is 2,200 acres. I agree, and, yeah. and we agreed on that. But right. we, you know, that swath is probably, you know, 10,000 acres probably along that the power lines. I would think, you know. So I don't know. I'm just bringing it up so okay. you can introduce it, and then we'll, I guess, we'll talk about it later. But I'm just. Well, if, if there's still some outstanding questions, I mean, this has been around. This is last year's text amendment, and they had right. a, a lot of back and forth. Yeah, I, I sat through so the planning commission on it. And, if, yeah. uh, if we had some more. Need some more research for the commissioners before we take action. We can certainly provide that. Sure, go ahead. If you, you want, want, you want to hold it. Go ahead. No, it's really it's up to the board. I, right, that's what I'm saying. If, if, I move we table it. Okay. 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 
Tabled. Tabled, okay. All right, commissioners, our next item, item five on pages 60 and 61, is a sponsorship request from the Queen Anne's County Farm Bureau for the fifth annual Agriculture Awareness Day on March 30th and 31st. And um, I believe last year we sponsored as a gold sponsor. As a, we were gold? $1,000. We were yes. a gold sponsor last year? Last year, yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll make the motion that, um, that we again repeat our, our gold sponsorship for this event. In the amount of 1,000. In the amount of 1,000. Second. All right, motion and a second. Any discussion? Yeah, actually, to piggyback on that, I think, Chris, we're still, the Upper Shore is going to basically pick up the balance of that, correct? The 10,000 like we did last year. Probably. So it'll be fully sponsored. Yeah. So, which is good news because they got out uh, two grades last year, I think, right? Seventh and eighth grade got to mm -hmm. take because they had enough money for it. So, yep. Any other discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Five zero. Motion carries. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item six on page 62 is an informational item from the Ken Island Library. Uh, this is their progress report on their campaign to raise community funds to help equip, equip and expand the Ken Island Library. They had an original goal of 250000 They've um, achieved quite a bit more than that, and um, uh, Janet Salazar, our chief li head librarian, or chief librarian is here, so maybe she wants to say a few words, but we're very happy that uh, they've, they've uh, exceeded their goals. You want to come on up real quick? Sure. Good evening, commissioners. Good evening. I'm Janet Salazar, the director of the library or head librarian or chief librarian or however you want to say it. Um, I am very happy to report that we have met and exceeded our goal for our um, capital campaign. Even since I just sent this to you on the 15th of February, we have collected another $6,000. So even more have exceeded our, um, our goal. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for your support of the library because none of this would happen without you. Um, so thank you, and we appreciate all of your support. Um, we're also working with Margie and Sherry to get some kind of ribbon cutting on the books for you all somewhere within the week of March 21st, I think. I don't have a date for you yet, but that's when we're hoping to open the new part to our community so they can come and see the first phase of our construction. Um, and then, of course, they'll start renovating the old part of the library, and that won't open until probably fall. Um, so this is really just a thank you, letting you know we met our goal, and we are still taking donations. We're not, you know, we're not going to say no. Somebody wants to give us more money, and we're selling bricks through February 28th. So if you haven't got a brick yet, and you want to see your brick in the, the ground, you have till February 28th to get it done. So. Janet, um, because of the, the, this particular piece that was in our book, uh, and the font is so small, I can't tell where the sources of fund, fund needs come from. Can you, could you share that? Do you know off the top of your head? It's a pie chart. Oh, but it that has, part. Yeah. Um, the majority that you see, 49%, came from individuals and families who okay. have donated money that's to like the library. Orange. That's um, the orange The gray part. Okay. part is organizations, and that's about 33%, and 18% came from our businesses, though. So. Okay. But yeah, lots of family support. Queen Anne's County loves their libraries. Yeah, they do. It's one of the reasons why I moved here. So. 
but we have completely exceeded. We're still looking, so if people would like to donate, we will take your money. So. And if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them, but mostly I'm just here to say thank you. So. Janet, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, you, you and, and your committee in, in doing an outstanding job raising funds for this. It's great they to see did. the community. They did so an awesome thing. job. Great. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Janet. All right, commissioners, now we have a series of uh, budget amendments. I think uh, Mike Clark mentioned we had a, a bunch of new grants over at uh, Department of Aging, and he can thank him for several of these. Um, first, we have budget amendment CC24 is a request to amend the budget for community partnerships by $18,772 through the Children's Cabinet Fund. Move to approve budget amendment CC24. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. Motion carries. Okay, next we have Budget Amendment CC25 for the housing opportunities for persons with AIDS, and this is for additional funding uh, for rent expense in the amount of $12,902. I'll make a motion to approve um, Budget Amendment CC25. Second. second. All right, we've got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number nine is budget amendment CC26, Homeless Solutions. This recognizes Homeless Solutions program funding through the CARES Act being carried over from fiscal 21, plus two additional rounds of CARES funding for these programs. Total grant funding awarded is $217,841. Motion to approve CC 27. Six. My six. Six, I'm sorry. Yeah, six. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries 5 0. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item 10 on page 66 is budget amendment CC 27, also for homeless solutions. This amendment recognizes the homeless solutions program funding for grants that are being extended beyond their original grant into fiscal 22. Uh, original grant funding awarded was $399,888, and we've done some modifications to allocate those across uh, fiscals 20 and 21. I move to approve um, budget amendment CC27. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0, the motion carries. Great, thank you, commissioners. Item 11 on page 67 is budget amendment CC28 for emergency rental assistance. This is to reallocate grant funds awarded through the ERAP grant for $275,000 for rental assistance. Motion to approve CC28. Second. Got a motion and second, any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, motion carries. Okay, commissioners, great. Uh, item 12 on page 68 is budget amendment CC29. This is a grant for the Economic Development Department. They received a grant of $16,571 uh, on behalf of the Stevensville A&E District used to pay for consulting fees in addition to printing and graphic design for new brochures and advertising. Uh, no additional county funds for this. Motion approved, CC29. Second. 
Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Is there any kind of studies, Todd, or is this just like, or is this just strictly like This was for consulting fees, just for okay. consulting fees for their new brochures and advertising on their events down at, at so the district. So they're going to create new stuff out yeah. of the problem? Okay. Yes. All right. Gotcha. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5-0. Motion carries. All right. And our final item, commissioners, is item 13. Budget Amendment CC31. This is Aging Nutrition Title C2. This is for a grant received by the Department of Aging for supplemental funding for the period of December 2020 through September 2022 to support home delivered meals services during the pandemic. And that is for 22000 no, excuse me, $16,571. Approve CC31. Second. Got a motion, a second, and discussion. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries, 5-0. Okay, thank you, commissioners. That is all of our action items this evening. We can go to press and public comments. Do we have any more? Anybody? Anybody have any comment? Anybody online? Skip straight through, round table. Round table, all right. Commissioner Wilson, nothing? Passed. Pass. Thank you. Commissioner Moran? Pass two. Pass two, wow. Well, you guys aren't going to be that lucky. Um, uh, moments ago, we had um, a presentation um, from our Area Commission on Aging, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they had mentioned uh, why Kathy Willis wasn't here. So I, I want to um, just a quick shout out. Uh, hope when we break from this meeting tonight that we get good news that the Lady Lions uh, won Bayside Conference, and of course the boys, the men's team, varsity basketball team, plays tomorrow night um, against um, Bicomico High for the Bayside Championships. Just so everybody's clear, that still doesn't preclude our other high school, Kent Island, from being able to compete in the state championship process. So kudos to the men's and women's uh, basketball teams at Kent Queen Anne's High School for hopefully winning the Bayside's tonight and tomorrow night. That's all I have. That's got to hurt you coming from Buckland. No, uh, no. Buckland. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I had the, the opportunity to attend the game Friday night, which was Queen Anne's first Kent Island at Kent Island. And it was, uh, I pride myself in being able to to attend all the high school basketball games at, at Kent Island over the years. And COVID has obviously prevented that from happening. But it was a great high school basketball game. And of course, the fact that the cross-county rivals certainly adds to the electricity in the air, if you will. Uh, it was great basketball. And, and I think uh, the better team Friday night won. Yep. So congratulations to Queen Anne's High School. Election year, he's got to say something nice about oh. the Lions. I got it. It was just great. Great basketball. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I will say that some of these other teams that are going to be competing in the Maryland State High School Basketball Championships um, are going to have their hands full with Ken Island and Queen Anne's. That's for darn sure. That's all I have. All right. Commissioner Wilson? Um, yeah, I guess Jim opened the door for the legislative update. I guess uh, I want to thank uh, Commissioner Moran for taking all his time out to uh, testify on all our local bills. Um, that uh, takes a good three, four hours out of your day um, because you're not really guaranteed what time you're going to get to testify. So, uh, again, uh, thanks, Jim. I know you're gonna, we're going to be shorthanded because Jim's not going to be here for a couple weeks, but uh, we're all going to have to step up and fill the void. Um, it, there are a lot of interesting bills in Annapolis this year. Um, I kind of thought it'd be a slow year, election year. You really don't want to, um, I guess, 
ruffle too many feathers, but apparently they're just not scared to ruffle feathers down there. Um, <coughs> there is stuff ranging all over the place. And I've been doing Mako now for four years, and I've seen some come through that I thought I'd seen them all, and apparently I haven't. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, I guess the, the big thing is, um, and I just want to touch on it because we are in budget season, and it is going to become a topic here. Um, we've had a few hot topics lately, and this is just probably going to be one of the uh, ones that's going to come up, and that's going to be our uh, school funding. So there's a, um, I guess, there's a lot of talk about how we're going to, I guess, get our students back in the classes to the pre-COVID numbers. Um, and and there's a lot of people say we will, some people say we won't, you know, some students have left to private schools or whatever the case may be and they may never return, which kind of puts us in a conundrum with the way the Kerwin was established because <laughs> it's based on student numbers. Um, so I believe last year we were 360 students less. Uh, this year, I'm not sure where we're at, but I know we're probably in the mid 200s to three. So, but they, but we got to fund at the same level, which kind of puts the county in in a tough situation because I don't want to say we're paying more and getting less, but you know, uh, like I explained to people, if we only had 10 students in the classroom, that'd be great. Everybody would love that, but it's cost the same amount of money to turn the lights on, turn the air conditioning on, put the teachers in the classroom, put the principals, put the cafeteria workers, the bus drivers, mm -hmm. you know, whether they got five kids on the bus or 55 kids on the bus, it's the same bus. So um, there's, there's talk this year that they're going to do what they're going to call Kerwin 3.0. So in something that's only been in existence three years, we're on 3.0 already. So that's kind of somewhat scares me. But um, it, it'll probably look like last year. Um, hopefully Queen Anne's County will again be in a situation where we're going to be able to, uh, based on the funding formulas, fully fund the education uh, formula without any tax increase or anything like that to, uh, to have to get there. But in the out years, um, as we move forward, I think it, it could start to uh, it, it could start to stress the budget a little bit on on that side, and I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see what they come out with. Um, again, this this program started. Kerwin was what 19, I guess, was what they officially or 20 was the first year, I guess they called 20. So we're three years in. It was supposed to go from 20 to 30. Well, we're three years in, and technically we really haven't even started it yet. So we're gonna probably have an additional three years on the back end is what I'm thinking looking at it. So it's just something that, as, as a county resident, um, we have a great education system here. We, uh, you're gonna hear us get beat up because we spend the least per pupil in the state, but guess what? We're always in the top five in performance in the state. So my uh, argument to the other counties is maybe you should come look at what we're doing and do that versus just spending more money and not getting the results. So um, just a heads up, fellas, that one's coming. Um, and it's going to be on this year's budget, and we're going to have to look ahead five years and really make sure we've got this covered because I don't want to see us cut education funding, but we have to be responsible with, you know, where, where, where we're at with it. So that's all I got. All right. Thanks, well, uh, speaking of education, for those who have not heard yet, Maryland State Board of Education met today, and they voted to rescind their statewide mass mandate. Um, the county commissioners had sent a letter in support of local autonomy making these decisions. This is something that we've been doing since the beginning stages of COVID is arguing for local autonomy that what works in Montgomery County might not work here in Queen Anne's County. And we've been very successful at, at that um, back from getting businesses reopened to uh, whether or not you would have to have a mask in your jurisdiction or not, how vaccines get distributed. 
we've been pushing for local autonomy. I'm glad to see that the State Board of Education has passed it down. Has to passed us. That down. Yep. It's got to go through a legislative committee with the General Assembly. Hopefully they'll meet soon. But it's good to see that they understand what we have been putting into place for a long time is let, let the locals decide what's worked for them because it's not a cookie cutter operation and every region of the state has different needs and that's why we're elected to do that kind of stuff. So, a quick question on that note yeah. though. So um, can, um, the, the state requires that your, your numbers be where they need to be in order to be able to lift your, max, your mask mandate like right. Anne Arundel County did the other day. Right. Are, do, are we in that position? I think they pulled it anyway. They pulled that, so they went that. no mask, they rescinded all that today okay. as part of it. So okay. there, there are it's no It's gotta go through, metrics. I forget which, what's the- It's, it's the, the rule, like the rules committee. In, yeah, it's with the legislature. They have a yeah. committee that oversees, um, because they have their own rule that they put in place through the legislative committee. And so they've got to also rescind it, right? And then, and then it becomes full local control. But what they had put in place before was three different criteria that if you met one, then you could take the mask off. The local board of ed didn't have a choice, right? They had so, to follow the three. And Anne Arundel County got it because they had, I think 80% of their teachers were vaccinated. question on that. Right. Okay, but, so, so what, are the, what are the three criteria in, in order for- rate. Positivity, uh, percentage of so teachers, teachers vaccinated. Or percentage of total and, population vaccinated. Or total population, right. right. And, and where are we on that? We hadn't met any of those. We, were, we have not met any of those? We had not met any of those. We're, we're, we're close trending, to positive. I think we're trending in the right direction. We're good. It's, it's the, we're only well, at 71. By rescinding that, those requirements are gone. Right. So it, it, as long as the legislator agrees. Our Board of Ed can do it. Then our Board of Ed will be in a better position next week to do something. Okay. So, but I, I told, so people knew that it was a state level mandate, right? The, the one size fit all state level mandate. And that is. But we all agree uh, that the whole off ramps approach to it was kind of hopeful. No, they were trying to push in to do what they wanted. Right. Yeah. Like you said, the one size fits all. Right. Yeah. So good news. Yes. I suppose. Let's hope. A uh, timeline on that? Well, and, and again, it'll be... It'll You're saying be, hopefully by the, the next Board of Ed I mean, meeting? They can meet at... Uh, well, the next... Our Board of Ed meets tomorrow, so I don't right. think the Legislative Committee will meet by then, but... They may. They may they, push this. I, I, I think they're going to meet quickly, because yeah. I think the idea is that it would be... By next week, they would be lifting them. And so those who want to wear them in school would be able to. Right. Uh -huh. Those who don't, and, right. and the way it should be. Right. So um, here's the local autonomy, which we always fight for. So I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So move. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. You have been watching the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. Thanks for joining us tonight. This program is brought to you by QAC-TV. QAC-TV are these people right here. And these people right here would love to thank you again for your continued support. Please check us out on Facebook, YouTube, like, subscribe, notifications, all that good stuff. And we'll see you at the next Commissioner's Meeting.